talking about. So today we're going to be talking about uh, us forgiving, you know, uh, others, those that have offended us, and then maybe asking forgiveness for those that we have offended, and just the process and how we do that. Because, you know, that, you know, things like, you know, when, I mean, things that people have spoken to you maybe 15, 20 years ago, you might even remember things that were spoken to you when you were in school, maybe even elementary school. Someone said something to you, and it's just kind of like stuck with you. And, uh, you know, you're dumb, or you're ugly, or you're fat, or you, you'll never amount to anything. Uh, you know, things like this, that, that, you know, these words, I mean, we'll talk about this later on, but there's a scripture that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we can speak life to people, or we can speak words that, you know, that harm and, and tear people down. And, and they carry it with them. And we, last week we showed that video on baggage. And, uh, you know, words are like that, that they can just have a, either a life-giving, building up kind of an effect, in, uh, you know, to us, and a word of encouragement. I mean, some of you will remember, you know, something that maybe a, a school teacher spoke to you, you know, that really encouraged you in your life, that, you know, you thought, you know, yes, you know, you know, she said, she or he said something to you that was very positive, that made, you know, just like a, a lifelong impact in your life. And so... I want to start, uh, I was thinking about this, you know, all week long, but I want to begin in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 25, and a little background on this before we get there. This is the story of David, and uh, actually the story of David and Abigail. We'll get to that. But before this, you know, David had already been anointed king of Israel, and King Saul recognized that he was going to be the next king of Israel and tried to do everything that he could to prevent that. He tried, he chased David, he hunted him like a wild animal in the wilderness and in caves and different, different places. I mean, you know, Saul would come after uh, David with thousands of men. David, you know, in the wilderness with his 600 men trying to hide and, you know, just, you know, it was just, can you imagine that spending, like, you know, much of your life just like in hiding, running from place to place and not knowing where your next meal is really going to come from? Um, and that's the way David and his men were. And so let me just, uh, I want to begin with the first part of chapter 20. This is from 1 Samuel 25. If you have a Bible, you can um, open your Bibles or your iPads or your tablets, or you can just look on the screen if you want. Um, it says, there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. He was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, and the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding. One translation says that she was intelligent and beautiful in appearance. But Nabal was a man that was harsh and evil. And so like I'm reading this and I'm thinking, you know, why do those opposites always attract? Um, and, you know, as we read this story, uh, let's just kind of jump down to verse 14. Um, well, before we do, let me just give you the background. Sheep shearing time was kind of a festive time. It was a time when, you know, it was party time. You know, you sheared the sheep. It's kind of like, you know, gathering the harvest. You know, it's, it's you know, the harvest is brought in and everybody's happy and celebrating. And it's like, you know, a big party going on. And so, um, and when you do that, it's kind of, um, um, I don't know if you've ever been to um, uh, like some of the festivals 
of some of our Native Americans uh, here in New Mexico. But uh, Nina and I were invited to go to one uh, at one point, and uh, we, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, you go from house to house, and from house to house there's a meal that's prepared, pre prepared for you. And, you, you know, eat a bite here, eat something here, and then move on to the next house. I mean, by the time that you leave, you know, you weigh about 10 pounds more than you did coming in. Um, but that's the way it was during sheep shearing time. It was very festive, and, and, and people were generous and offering and inviting neighbors over and celebrating. And so David sends 10 of his men to Nabal's house and says, I understand, he says, I understand that it's sheep shearing time, and uh, we have been watching over your men in the wilderness, we've been taking care of your men in the wilderness, and you can ask them, not one of their sheep was missing, nothing was stolen, um, and so um, he says, but we need something from you, we need, we need you to share with us, uh, you know, from, you know, some of your food, some of your livestock, and uh, we'll pick up here. It says, and one of uh, the servants told uh, Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings. But our master, Nabal, hurled insults at, the, at them. Yet these men were very good to, to us. They did not mistreat us the whole time that we were out in the fields near, uh, near them. Nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us the whole time that we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household because he is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8, it says, rebuke a wise man, he'll hear you, but rebuke a fool and he'll just scorn you. He'll mock you. And uh, that's, what, that's the way that Nabal was. No one could speak anything to him. And so... Uh, these guys had come, they had asked a favor, uh, Nabal drives them away, sends them away evil, or, you know, empty, and, you know, with these evil words, and uh, one of the, his servants goes and speaks to Abigail, his wife, uh, and, uh, and shares the story with her, and it says in verse 18 that Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seas of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, two hundred cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys and told her servant, go ahead and I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she was riding her donkey down a mountain ravine, there was David and his men descending toward her, and she met them. And David had just said, it's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. Have you ever felt like that? That when you've done some, something good to someone, that you know, you've blessed someone? And you know, uh, We used to have a, a man in the church, and he says, uh, no good deed will go unpunished. Uh, some of you may have experienced that. Uh, he says, it's been useless. All my watching over this fellow's pro property, nothing was missing. And he's paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. I was talking about his family, his children, and his servants as well. And when Abigail saw David, you know, they're coming, like David's coming to Nabal's house to destroy him. Abigail's going, to, going down as what we'll talk about in a moment as a peacemaker, trying to divert this disaster. 
And Abigail saw David. She got off quickly off her donkey and bowed down before him with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my Lord, to that wicked man, Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. As for you, your servant, uh, I did not see this man, uh, my Lord, or the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself. Remember the scripture says, God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And she's saying that the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands. May your enemies and all who are intent on harming you be like Nabal. Let this gift, talking about the, the burrows and all that she had brought, all the food that she had brought to David. Let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive. And we're talking about forgiveness. Now you can just see, you can, what radiates out of the story with Abigail is her humility and how humble she is. I don't think that she was afraid for her own life. I don't think she was doing this because she was afraid. I think that she was doing it honestly seeking, you know, forgiveness for the way that, you know, Nabal had treated David's, David's men. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God certainly will make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battles. And no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life. And apparently she knew that, you know, the rumor was all over Israel that uh, Saul had killed his thousands, but David had killed his tens of thousands. And how that, that Saul became very envious and jealous and to the point where he wanted to murder David. He wanted to kill him. And David is running from his life. And and it was just like known throughout Israel that David would be the next king. And uh, so she has heard about this. And so he says, even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemy he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. Like David, just like, you know, he killed the giant with a, with a sling and a stone, just hurled him away, and that's what she's saying, that the Lord will hurl your enemies away. And when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing that he has promised concerning him, and she's just saying, I mean, she's almost prophesying to the point that when you become king, when you're anointed and placed in that position, she says that when the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing, he's talking about when the Lord God has filled, fulfilled for, uh, for uh, David, my Lord, my king, uh, every good thing that he has promised concerning him and appointed him ruler over Israel, may the Lord, uh, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering bud, uh, burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. When the Lord your God has brought my Lord's success, remember your servant. She's saying just remember me. When you come into your place, your appointed place and your anointed place, remember me. And David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent to you to me today. 
May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come to me uh, quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Now the Bible tells us that the king's heart in the hand of the Lord is like rivers of water and that he can turn it wherever he wants to. And this is a classic example of that. That's from Proverbs 21. The heart of the king is like rivers of water in the living... Uh, uh, the heart of the king is like uh, rivers of water in the hands of the Lord. And he can turn it and he can direct it. And we see this example here, how David's heart was bent on destruction. He was getting ready to go down and destroy this man in his household. And God, with words, with words of encouragement and words of life and words of hope, how God just just turns his heart and he, he changes his mind about, you know, the destruction that he was about to bring. And David accepted from her hand what she had brought him. And he said to her, go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. And when Abigail went back to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was high in spirits and very drunk, so she told him nothing until morning. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all the things that she had done, and his heart, at that moment, at the words, as, that, as the words are going out of Abigail's mouth, it says that Nabal's heart failed him. He had a heart attack, and just boom, just dropped down. Just, and it said he became like a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck. Notice who struck him. David didn't have to do it with a sword. You know, it wasn't David's... Uh, servants, all of those 600 men were, that were with him, they didn't have to go down and strike him with the sword. About 10 days later, verse 38 says, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Now that's what happened. You know, guys, you know, we, we want to take these things in our own hand. And we, we get mad at people and, and you know, we're looking for vengeance. We want to, you know, I'm going to deal with this. We're like David was before his heart was changed. You know, be it so, ever so with me, if God, you know, God's going to deal with me severely if I don't take this thing in my hand and, and, and act and, you know, that I get vengeance. And then, you know, I mean, here comes just, I mean, just see the blessing of this, how, how it just opens the door for blessing. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise be to the Lord who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. You know what the Word of God says? Anybody? <laughs> All right. You know what the Word... Let me just tell you about the, the blessing of Abraham. And God said to Abraham, He says, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. I want to tell you what. I, I have great fear for our president, for our vice president, for our Secretary of State, and for many of the cabinet members that have treated Prime Minister Netanyahu with contempt. It was with the same contempt that David was treated with. And I'm telling you what, I fear for our nation because of the way that we have treated Israel. And by the way, you guys need to be here tomorrow night you know, I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this guy that, you know, I mean, he's Arab-born and was born with a hatred for Jews. 
And then he turns his heart. God turns his heart and he receives Jesus. And now he is a promoter of Christianity and a lover of the Jewish people. I mean, it's amazing. And it's amazing things. He's got a great story. You need to come hear it. All right. So I'll see you here tomorrow. At, uh, it actually starts at 7, but we serve refreshments at 6.30. So I'll see you here at 6.30, right? All right. So, so David tells her to, uh, David, or uh, Abigail tells uh, Nabal what she has done. He falls down. His heart just fails. He, he collapses. Ten days later, he's dead. And then it says that when David heard that Nabal was dead, he you know, just kind of breaks out into this praise that God has upheld my cause because Nabal has treated me with contempt. And so then David sends word to Abigail. Remember what it said about her in the beginning? That she was intelligent, she was, was full of wisdom, and she was beautiful. David sends word to Abigail asking her to become his wife. And his servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. And she bowed down with her face to the ground and said, I am your servant and ready to serve you and wash the feet of the Lord's servants. And Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by five of her female servants, went, went with David's messengers and became his wife. And so... You know, in the story, we see the whole, the, this whole issue about offending, committing an offense, and then forgiveness. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about in life's uh, healing choices, session number six is the relationship choice. And uh, let me just share with you again the two Beatitudes that go with this. Blessed or happy. We said that blessed means that's what the word means. Happy or the kind and the merciful for they shall see, or they shall be shown mercy, from Matthew 5, 7. And this is about forgiving those that have hurt us. When someone has hurt us, uh, if we can be merciful, if we can show mercy. And then the second one is, blessed are those that strive for peace, they shall be called the sons of God. And this is about asking for forgiveness and making amends for those that we've hurt. There are three reasons that we need to forgive. Three reasons that you need to forgive. I know that sometimes, it, you know, it, it can be very difficult. I mean, if you've been wrong and you know that you're right, and you know that you've been wrong, and you were in a position where there's no question, no, there's no doubt in your mind and in, in, the, in the mind and the sight of God that you were right, but you had been wronged, um, you know, that we still need to forgive. Uh, we used to have, a, a, I used to know a, a friend of mine, a, you know, one of his favorite sayings was, it's better to be rightly related than it is to be right. And what that means is it's better to keep the friendship, the relationship together than demand and, and having your own way and break that relationship and ruin that relationship sometimes forever. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have, you know, there are things that you've said or things that you've done and it's just like the end. That person might as well be dead in your life because you don't see them, you don't speak to them, you don't talk to them, you don't, you know, you don't have that connection that you once had because the relationship has, has, has been broken. Unlike 
um, Abigail coming to David and bowing down in that, that spirit of humility and asking for forgiveness. So there's three reasons that you need to forgive. Number one, that God has forgiven you. It says in Colossians chapter 3.13, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember that the Lord forgave you so that you must forgive others. The second reason is that resentment doesn't work. To, listen to what Job says. To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. And then in Job 18, he says, you're only hurting yourself with your anger. Listen. Listen to what that says. You're only hurting yourself with your anger. You might be mad at someone that doesn't, I mean, they don't have a clue. They could have a, they, they're clueless that you, that you have uh, a problem with them. Something that maybe you said or something that maybe they did, and, and you're just like burning inside. You're burning inside. And that's what Job says, that you're only hurting yourself with your anger. Will the earth be uh, deserted because you're angry? And then Job 21 says, some people, listen to this, because anger and resentment and holding a grudge is not healthy for you. I mean, you know how you feel. You know how you feel when you've been in an argument with someone? I mean, there's tension, there's the, the anxiety, you know, uh, it's just like burning within you. And you, you know, it's just like you don't have any peace. You can't, you don't have any peace until you, it's like, I, I got to get this matter resolved. I got to get it resolved, I got to get it resolved today. I mean, if you, you've ever had an argument with your wife, uh, you know, and, and there's tension there. And I mean, even the kids could come in the house and they can, I mean, you can cut the tension with a knife. I mean, it's just, it's just like everywhere. And you're not talking to her and she's not talking to you. Or maybe it's a friendship or it's a relationship. Or maybe it's somebody at work, you know, that, uh, that you know. And there's just tension there. That it's just like you, you try to avoid them. You're in the supermarket. You see them going down one aisle. And, I mean, you turn your basket. And you, I mean, you're going three aisles over. And you're not even shopping for anything on that aisle. It's just you are trying to avoid that eye-to-eye -eye contact. And Job goes on and says that, some people stay healthy till the day they die. They die happy and at ease, and their bodies are well-nourished, and others have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. And if you've got a bitter heart or you've got unforgiveness toward someone today, you know, I'm going to walk you through some steps of how to release that because God wants you to be at peace. He, is, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. That's who we want to be, right? The third reason is, that one of these days, there's three reasons that we need, to, we need to forgive. That God's forgiven us, that resentment doesn't work, and the third one is that, that I need, and I will need, and you will need forgiveness in the future. And notice what Mark 11:25 says, that when you're praying, when you're praying to God, and you're serious, you've you got something serious on your mind, serious, you know, that you're dealing with. He says, when you're praying... First of all, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins as well. You see the connection there? That when we're praying that if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. So listen to this. Don't burn the bridge of forgiveness that you need to walk across to get to heaven by your own unforgiveness. Let me say it again. Don't burn the bridge of forgiveness that you need to walk across to get to heaven 
by your own unforgiveness. We need to forgive. There are three steps to forgiveness. Number one, first of all, you've got to reveal your hurt. You've got to let someone, if someone offends you, Matthew chapter 18 says, if you're offended, uh, and go to your brother. Between you and him alone, you've got to get it out. You, you can't just hold on to it. You can't just expect them to think, well, you know, uh, th they should know that they offended me. They should come to me. Why should I go to them? Matthew 18 says, if your brother has offended you, you go to him between you and him alone and tell your brother, you know, what the offense is. And then, you know, if, if you've been offended, after you tell him whether he does anything with it or not, you know, you need to release him. You need to, you need to release the offender. The Word of God says, and again in Matthew 18, and Peter comes to him and he says, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother? How often, you know, should I forgive? Seven times? That was like the perfect number. And Jesus says, no, 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 not seven times, but 70 times seven. So I reveal my hurt, I release the offender, and then I replace uh, the, the hurt with God's peace. And that's what, as I said earlier, Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Romans 2.17, it says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's what David was about to do. Be careful that you do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Remember what happened to Nabal. For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. Now, I know that there are times that we want to just kind of take this, you know, the matters into our own hand. We want to deal with it. But it's kind of like, guys, we got to come to our senses and remember what the Word of God says. we got to remember. God, it's just like, you know, it's like, you know, this is what I want to do. And then the Holy Spirit says, no, that's not right, Ron. Don't think those thoughts. Don't think that. Don't have those kind of thoughts. You know, let God deal with this. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And so, so... Let me just walk you through some steps toward forgiveness. Number one is that, you know, when you leave church today, you know, and you have some quiet time, you, know, you might want to just go back and just review your life. And, um, and I'm talking about B.C. and A.D., before you came to Christ and after you came to Christ, okay? Or the people that you, you have hurt, that you've wounded, that you've said things about, you know, that... Um, you know, you just might want to make a list and let the Holy Spirit just bring it up. You know, I mean, occasionally this happens to me. I'll think about somebody that, you know, that in high school or, you know, um, even before that, that I said something about or did something to or, you know, I wish I wouldn't have done something, you know, uh, with, you know, an individual. Uh, and I think about that. And I think about, and we talked about this maybe a week or two ago, you know, if you've ever had these thoughts, you know, has your sin or the sin that, that, that you've committed with someone else, how has that affected that person's life? Where are they today? And, and where they are today, is that as a result of something that you did, something that you contributed to in their life? Or are their lives messed up because of, you know, something that was said to them? You know, someone that, you know, has been told uh, several times that you're worthless, you're 
you'll never amount to anything. Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you uh, the story about the, the homeless guy that I would see week after week at, actually day after day. I'm addicted, Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, <laughs> I'd see, see this guy there every day, and finally I, I just, like, I, I went up to him, and I said, look, dude, you look, you know, you look healthy. You know, what's wrong with you? I mean, you shouldn't be holding a sign and begging. You know, just, you know, you know, just get to work. You know, get a job. Get to work. And the guy told me, he said, you know, and it was nice about it. He's very humble. He said, you know what, my life used to be very much like yours. Um, he said, I had a good job. I had a wife. I had children. And uh, I lost my son. And he said, I lost my son, and I became a drunk. And then I lost my job. And then I lost my wife. And I lost everything. And he said, I, I just, I can't. I just, I just can't get it back together. And, you know, um, you know, if you know somebody like that, or you've seen somebody like that, or somebody that, you know, has spoken, spoken an unkind word to you, don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil for good. I did have a chance to pray with this man, you know, pray with him and just try to encourage him that, you know, there is a God that's greater than his problems and that if he would turn to God, I believe that God would turn his situation around. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be peacemakers and, and point people to the, to the gospel. So, so make a list. And just anyone that the Holy Spirit brings you, and th I'm, I'm telling you, I, I believe that what Abigail did was very difficult for her. I believe this is a hard thing for her to do. But it was the right thing to do. And, and there's going to be some hard things that some of you need to do but it's the right thing to do. It could be the right words that, that you speak into an individual's life that turns this person's life around. And so make a list of people that you have harmed or that you've hurt, and then you ask yourself this question. You know, how would I want someone to make amends to me? If I offended someone and, you know, uh, this is what I would do, but how would I want someone to make amends to me. And the Bible tells us it's simple. Out of Luke 6.31, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. And then the second thing is, you know, the Ecclesiastes 8.6 says, there's a right time and a right way to do everything. It's not, you don't call somebody up and say, at, you know, 9 o'clock when they're getting ready to go to bed, you know, hey, I want to talk to you about, you know, this problem that you and I have. Uh, or, you know, you, you, there, you wait to a right time. Wait for a right time, and you pray that God would give you the right words to say. And so, uh, and then you do it with the right attitude. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15 to speak the truth with love. Um, and then you do it in an appropriate way. Uh, way. Proverbs 12.18 says, Thoughtless words can wound deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. And, and so that, you know, if we've offended someone, if we've wounded someone, just in that spirit of humility, maybe just a telephone call, you know, look, I, you know, something's on my heart. I really feel I need to talk to you. Is it possible that you and I could go have coffee or have a Coke or, you know, I, I just, I, I need to share something that's on my heart with you. And, and then just in a very humble way, you know, you know, it's like, don't start pointing the finger at them and you made me say, or your action made me say or do what I did that, you know, that has broken this relationship. Don't point the finger back at them. Just accept the blame and just ask for forgiveness. 
And then, you know, if it's possible and if necessary, you may need to make restitution. You know, if you've borrowed money and haven't paid it back or if you've stolen something, uh, you know, if it's possible, make restitution. And then the, the sixth thing that you need to do after doing all of that, going through that list right there. By the way, this will be online tomorrow, so you can, you can have all of these notes that are in front of me. Uh, you want to refocus your, your will or your, you know, refocus on doing God's will. Um, now listen to what Job says. Job chapter 11. And this is talking about, you know, if you've offended somebody or someone has offended you and how you get this thing, how, how, how do you get life back to normal again? And Job says, number one, there's three points in here, and I'll, we'll talk about each one of them. He says, put your heart right. Put your heart right. That's recognizing that either you know, you've offended somebody or somebody's offended you, and you, you guys need to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk about it. Put your heart right, and then reach out to God. Put away evil and wrong from your home, and then face the world again, firm and courageous. And then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. And your life will be brighter than the sunshine at noon. Life, uh, and life's darkest hour will shine like the dawn. And you will live sure, uh, secure and full of hope. And God will protect you and give you rest. Number one, he says, put your heart right. That means just simply releasing offenders and forgive. And reach out to God. Uh, you, you know, human forgiveness, kind of, it runs dry after a while. You need God's help to forgive. And you need God's help to, for you to ask for forgiveness. And you can't do this in your own strength. You need the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And God will give you the wisdom and the humility and the courage to, you know, take that step. Like I said, you know, this is hard to do. It's hard to do. It's hard, it's hard to admit that we're wrong. It's hard for us to go up to say to someone and say, you know, man, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I said that. Would you, I just, you know, just forgive me. Just please forgive me. I said the wrong thing, and I wish I wouldn't have said it. And then he says, put your heart right, reach out to God, and then face the world again. And the way that we do that is that, you know, it's like you get back on with life. Those of you that have been hurt in a relationship, you know, if, if you're, you're a woman, you know, and a man has hurt you, you may be saying, I will never, ever, 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 ever date or marry again. Just men are out of my life. And if you're a man and you've been, you know, uh, divorced and, you know, you've been hurt by uh, a, a girlfriend or your wife uh, that has left you, and you may be saying the same thing. I'll live a recluse. I, you know, I don't need anybody. I don't want anybody. I mean, relationships only bring hurt. And, and that's true. You know, that, that, when, that, that true love, true love, when, you, when you're, you're loving the way that God wants you to love, just believe me, you, know, you will be hurt. You will be hurt. We will all be hurt, uh, you know, if we're, we're living a godly life because we're human. And we, you know, we're not perfect. And sometimes we hurt people, and sometimes people hurt us. But if we do these three things, these three things that, that Job is talking about, he says that 
All of your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are remembered no more, and your life will be brighter than the noonday sun, and your life's darkest hours will shine like the dawn. What he's saying is that you just kind of get on with life. And you're able to do that. You're not able to get on with life if you're, if you're holding a grudge against somebody or you've got bitterness towards someone or that, or that someone has some, some bitterness or unforgiveness toward you. You've got to get it settled. It's got to be settled, completely settled. And, you know, like I said, it won't be easy. It'll be difficult. These, these choices are hard to make. I was listening to a, a pastor. He was a former coach. He's a pastor now. And... Um, his, his last name is, is Mullen, and his uh, grandfather was a pastor. Uh, he was a college coach, and uh, his grandfather was a pastor in the small town that he lived in. And he was telling the story that when he was in high school, he played high school football. And um, he said that, uh, you know, he was driving this old beat-up car, and uh, they were at this, uh, like a, a Dairy Queen, and this friend of his pulled up in, a, uh, in the way that he tells the story, a 1956 Chevrolet. And a 1956 Chevy was great in 56 and in 66 and in 76 and in 2006 and in 2016, and it's going to be a great car until Jesus comes back. All right? It, it, it's just a classic car, all right? He said that they, uh, his last name was Mullins, and they call him Mully. And they said, hey, Mully, come on, come on over, get in the car. And he said he walked over to the car, and he was about to get in. They had opened the door, and he had put one foot in the car, and he noticed that all three of them had a bottle of beer. And he thought for a moment, should I go or not? And he decided that he was going to back out. And so he backed out of the car, and... You know, of course, they're razzing him and calling him names and, you know, you know, uh, religious kid or, you know, holier than thou and you know, all of the name calling that goes with it. But he said about two or three hours later, he was driving home and uh, he said that his best friend was sitting in the back seat of the car, his very best friend. But he was driving home and he saw uh, what it appeared to be like a flash of light. And as he got up a little bit closer, he saw this from about a half a mile away. As he got up a little bit closer, there was a car that was on fire. And there was one guy that was about 40 feet to the left of the car that was laying on the ground, moaning and all broken up. And there was another guy about 40 or 50 feet on the right side of the car that was moaning and all broken up. And he recognized those two guys but he couldn't find his best friend. He said by that time, the police had shown up, an ambulance had shown up, and he was walking down the ditch when he tripped over the body of his best friend. And he picked him up, and he was dead. He said that when he got home, he, looked, he went to the bathroom and noticed that he had blood on his hands. And he was thinking that he was just that far away from being in the back seat of that car. Guys, I'm going to tell you that many times in life we are faced with hard choices and decisions. And God wants us every time to make the right choice and the right decision. It will be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Amen.
All right, that's the end of our service. Why don't we just praise God for a moment? Let's just lift up a shout of praise. God, you're good. You're so good. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.